Welcome to Flip the Script, the show where we talk about all your favorite adapted films and where they got their start. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that the following episode will spoil important plot points from the movie and its original source. I'm your host, Kim Labick, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone, I'm Tyler. Um, I know Kim from undergrad. We actually, the first time we ever met, uh, we bonded over Hunger Games and that's why I'm here. I'm Joey and I know Kim from college and also we live together reluctantly. So yeah, so I mean, I have my little intro that introduces me. I'm the host, Kim. If you don't know me by now, you're so many episodes in. Um, but welcome. I mean, this might be your first episode listening to us because The Hunger Games is probably one of the most popular topics that we'll be talking about on here. And today we're starting off just with the first one. Um, so it's, you know, it's a book versus a movie kind of episode. Um, and we're going to dig into what's different about it, what we like, what we don't like, what went well, etc. Um, yeah, so again, today is just The Hunger Games, the first one we're talking about. And the movie came out in 2012. If you're unfamiliar with the series, the book, the book trilogy was written by Suzanne Collins and then made into a movie quadrilogy. So the third book was split up into two movies. Um, but yeah, again, last time we'll say this, we're just talking about the first one today, The Hunger Games. Uh, and as always, we start off with a favorite quote. So how about Tyler? Do you have a favorite quote? Yeah, so um, when I was watching it um, three hours ago, um, I was like, okay, I have to think of a favorite quote. So I do actually have a favorite quote from the book as well, but my favorite quote from the movie was, uh, a spark is fine as long as it's contained. It was, it was in, like, in the context of like, hope is not, too much hope is not okay. Um, but I just thought that was really cool to think about. Um, I always, And I was thinking about that in like context of like current events of like, uh, Black Lives Matter and things like that. I think about how like the government has been trying to like contain it, right? Contain the spark. So I was like, because it's getting to too much hope, right? Or we fight for what we hopefully will be a better place. So I don't know. I was thinking that in a context, in the context of like what's going on right now. Hell yeah, I love that, <laughs> and I'm glad that you started bringing that up because I, I can guarantee we're we're gonna get into kind of how the story reflects like a lot of things that are happening today in 2020. Uh, but yeah, Joey, do you have a favorite quote you want to share? Uh, no, but my favorite quote from The Hunger Games has got to be the classic Effie, that is mahogany. Love it. I love, too, how that like comes back later in the second movie. Classic. We love her. We love everything about her. We stand. Oh, my God. When Effie was on the screen, came back on the screen, I was like, ah, <laughs> I just forgot how much I loved her. Like I don't know, it's been a while since I rewatched the series, so it's just like, Elizabeth oh my god, Banks kills it in this movie. Mm-hmm. She does. So I want to start us off a little, somewhat chronologically, uh, and then we'll just go all the fuck over the place. Oh wait, you know I didn't even say my favorite quote first. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> <I don't care>. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite quote is towards the end. Um, Peter and Katniss have won the Hunger Games. Spoiler alert, and. Oh. And they, they're talking, and Peta is like, Peta says, like, what do we do now? Katniss says, we try to forget. And then Peta says, I don't want to forget. 
And I just love that because it's not it's not showing that like Peta doesn't want to forget because like he loves Katniss and he only wants to remember like good things about Katniss. It's I think it's a lot deeper than that because he doesn't want to forget everything that happened in the games. I mean, it's terrible and it's going to haunt both of them and has effects that we'll see in the in the future stories, but like I don't know, I just thought it was a really powerful way of him being like look, there there was also good there too and we also shouldn't forget like the people who were involved in that because forgetting them would be you know, kind of what the capital wants in a way. Never forget. Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> so now let's kind of sink our teeth into it. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about is the, the, the first difference we see between the film and the book is the film starts off. It gives us a little um, text intro to like what the Hunger Games are and everything, which is nice. And then the first thing that we see on screen is uh, Caesar Flickerman interviewing Seneca Crane. And Caesar asks him, he's like, you know, what is your personal signature as a game maker? Seneca opens his mouth to respond. And then we immediately cut to Prim screaming in the districts. And I just like the the books don't have that. The books don't have that scene at all. And they don't have a lot of the capital scenes. We'll talk more about that. But specifically, I loved how this opened the film because it was it's it's just so very clear and it's jarring perfectly jarring to like bring you into the world i agree yeah it was really cool i liked how i also liked how like prim was comforted by katniss and not her mom just like really emphasis that like her mom was not there for them yeah absolutely and it also just really you know her scene that scene that she has with like her mom and prim and everything um just really like establishes everything that you need to know about Katniss you know the fact of like what her priorities are in life and like how that motivates her through the series of it being like overall like it's about Prim it's about like protecting Prim protecting her family like Katniss is even when she's like out for survival she's out for survival to therefore help other people kind of thing which is why we love her man one of the many reasons why we love her why we stand let's talk about the mocking j pin yes i was hoping we would because i'm still annoyed it's been eight years and i'm still mad about it (laughs) (laughs) go off so explain to us because all three of us know explain to us why why we're all so mad about the mocking j pin because she's supposed to get so katniss is supposed to get the mocking j pin from i forgot her name but the mayor's daughter what's her name Madge. Madge, yes. Um, she's supposed to get it from Madge. It's supposed to be like, like the symbolic uh, like thing of like the creation of the Hunger Games was like through the capital, but we're giving you this like hope and then they're and Katniss is taking this hope to like revolutionize the world. And if you read the prequel that Susan Collins just came out right now, it's just so much more significance that the capital like gave Katniss like the yeah. mocking jay symbol. Yeah, because even on that, though, like with what the actual bird, the Mockingjay, represents, you know, like you mentioned, the prequel gets into it a lot more in depth. But I, I'm pretty sure that the the Hunger Games book, it's been a few months since I've read it again, but the Hunger Games book delves into it a bit. They explain that the Mockingjay bird only exists because Jabberjays, which were like a mutation from the capital, meant to spy on um, the districts. 
mated with female mockingbirds when they were abandoned by the capital because they had like because the rebels then abused them so the capital was like well fuck you jabberjays we're just gonna leave you out in the forest um and instead of the jabberjays dying off which was what the capital wanted they mated with these female mockingbirds and that makes the mockingjay which like again so the animal is literally a symbol of rebellion against the capital a symbol of like we can and will survive without you and so it's such like a great poetic slap in the face against the capital and snow because you know that's her token but yeah of course they don't they just throw it out the window in the in the movies well it's like not even just like the symbolism for like what the mocking j pin was what bothers me about like removing like madge or just like and i understand because like they couldn't really do a ton of flashbacks since it's not um narrated by katniss in the movie but like i feel in the Hunger Games movie versus the book, the book really did have a better attack. Like it painted a bigger picture of District 12, which when the like later events in the stories and the sequels um, happen, you care more about what has what happens in District 12 versus in the next one. You know they'll like try their best to kind of make up for lost time, but like when you don't have a ton of people that Katniss knows about or cares about in District 12. The later events, I think, kind of have less of a punch as they did in the book. Very true. And it also, because it comes from Madge, who is like, um, you know, because Madge is the one who gives her the pin. And Madge is, like you said, she's like the governor's daughter or the mayor's daughter. Um, Yeah. It's interesting because, like, you already start to see different class structures, even within just District 12, which is important. I think it's very important how we get... And we do get a lot of these still in the movies, a lot of the different characters who are, um, you know, more like better off than Katniss or worse off than Katniss. And so it's nice that like Katniss, even though she's our main character, she's not like, you know, she doesn't have it the worst. So it's great that we get to see like all the different people, because that is part of the reason that the system like works so well is because each level of you know, like class structure or whatever, each little level of class structure within the class structure has enough hope to keep them going and wanting to like level up. Um, But not so much that, you know, it burns the whole system down or whatever. I think it also shows like the establishment of like, of almost saying like some capital people are trying their best to like fight against it. You know, I feel like that's like our first, in the books, that's our first instance of like, oh, there's like, one good capital person if you want to say that or whatever yeah yeah very good point because like not everybody in the capital is like a terrible awful person like not everybody in the capital is snow wait who are we talking about in the capital well madge madge she isn't like capital but she still like is within the government structure like i think don't they mention that they have gone to the capital at some point like they yeah, I think her dad is, like, in the yeah, ranks. He goes. So her dad is, like, in the ranks because he's, like, the mayor. But I think the mayor of each district is, like, appointed or something. So, like, the district mayor is, like, still, like, somehow, I'm sure, I don't really know how, but somehow connected to Snow in some way, right? So, like, yeah. somehow mm-hmm. they're taking orders from Snow. It's, like, peacekeepers that are in the districts. So, like, they're still capital people-ish. I mean, if you read the people, yeah. maybe not, but... Well, but even at large, it's, like, even actual capital people that we meet, like, um, 
Cinna is like a good a quote unquote good capital person. Uh Effie is a quote unquote good capital person and so on. Like yeah. not everyone that we meet in the capital is snow, but snow must yeah. die. <laughs> but I guess like one more thing about like the like different class systems is I feel like even though Katniss can like sometimes be like a little bit of a hothead in especially in like the books, she always does kind of she always reminds herself that even if like someone maybe is a little bit closer to the capital like the the merchants have it better than those in the seam in district 12 or just like district one and district two and district four in the books are the career districts so they're like favored by the capital like she still is able to remind herself like they're all still getting screwed over in the end like because everyone in like because she learns like from Peta and like later on in the games that like he even though he's well fed he's only eating stale bread, and then with the career tributes like they still have to send their children to die. They're just a little bit less, like, starving in doing so. Absolutely, yeah. So um, another thing that I want to talk about that kind of happens early in the film is the the propo at the reaping so like the little advertisement that they have for the hunger games first of all i feel like that was really clever to include speaking of the fact that like we had that intro text about what the hunger games are in the film and then we still get to see the propo i feel like that helps a lot just for like a viewer who doesn't know anything about the story like going into it like you need that reminder again to be like what the fuck is this how did this start like why is it called the hunger games kind of thing um, so it's helpful in that respect. And then, you know, it's obviously like our first introduction into all the propaganda that the capital spews around the districts and how that is one of the ways that they control them. Yeah. Well, honestly, I didn't even sometimes like view it as a prop like propaganda because I feel like I mean, it definitely is because they're just like, oh, like because of the terrible war, like we're being nice and all this stuff. But it also just reminded me like that this is a reality show in the Hunger Games universe because that opening is like pretty much whether it was like back when like American Idol was a thing or Survivor or Big Brother or The Amazing Race like they always do these like intro packages before they start a season so it also was like to me like a symbol of just being like this is the entertainment in this universe. True and I love that Gail knows the words to it by heart he like he uh he mouths the words like war terrible war before it even begins. (laughs) And I love how uh, prominent, like, within the beginning of the film, how many times they say, are the, uh, may the odds be ever in your favor? Like, the most iconic line, right? But, like, but like the odds are obviously not in anyone's favor, right? So, yeah. like, it's just, like, so, I don't know. It's, like, point blank, like, I think it, that quote specifically shows, like, the contradiction nature of, like, what the capital views the Hunger Games as and what the, like, districts view the Hunger Games as. Yeah. Absolutely. Ooh, and then something that also happened during the reaping um, I I forgot for a minute that Hamish was in the books for the for the reaping. Like he was there, he was like yeah. drunken. I think he didn't he have like a moment where he made like a speech or something. Yeah, it's like after Katniss gets reaped, he's like, "I like you. You're better than them." And then he points to like the camera, <laughs> and then he falls off the stage. Classic yeah. Hamish. I I I like that. Yeah, but I I do think for the purpose of the movie, I like that we get introduced to him on the train, because. Um, the way that we get introduced to him on the train is like perfect because obviously he's like drunk and he's stumbling around and he comes in to just be like yo what's up it's me and then he's also like but fuck you guys (laughs) 
See, I'm like the, I, this is like, I know because we talked about this before. It's like one of like my big like differences in opinion with you is I really, even though I like watching the movie, like as a teenager and still watching it, like I like, I view like the movie and the book as like two like different things. So I can appreciate them both, but I definitely like the book version better because I like that. Like Kay Mitch is like introduces like this just like hot mess who has been broken by like the years of capital abuse. And he isn't so much, I mean, he is a little hostile to the kids, but then, like, they, like, kind of do their whole thing of, like, Katniss throws a knife at him when he's, like, trying to hit PETA, and then he's like, whoa, I actually have, like, kids who I won't just have to serve on a silver platter, like, they can, and it's, like, the start of this, like, beautiful and complex, like, relationship, versus in the movie, he kind of, like, has that, like, friendliness with PETA early on, but then with him and Katniss, like, there's just, like, there's never really a build-up, it's just, like, they're He's like, err, to her until suddenly he's not. <laughs> like, after the parade, he's like, okay, I guess I'm good now. Really? I Okay, because I feel like there's decent buildup in the movie. I feel like um, the, the knife moment when he's like, oh, congratulations, you just killed a placemat. Uh, you know, because she, like, stabs him. Or not stabs him, but, like, stabs right in between his fingers on the plane Mahogany. or on the train. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, that moment, I feel like, is a, is a small introduction to him being like, all right, well, I'm going to somewhat pay attention to her. See, I didn't get that because he was just like, because he still seemed like kind of patronizing to her. He was like, well, he knows what he's doing. You better hold on to that knife. <laughs> but he, he does at least start talking to her, you know, whereas before it was just like nothing. And then he's starting to be like, well, look, here's my best piece of advice for you is you need people to like you and you don't seem that likable. And like, yeah, <laughs> may- maybe they're still like, they're still not like friends yet, really, as they become later, like you're saying, but. I do think that they help introduce like, okay, there, you know, there is like a a fade up into their friendship, I guess. Yeah. I do feel like the buildup in the book is like a better buildup of the relationship, but I do think that there is, I understand how they got from point A to point B in the movie as well. So like, Mm -hmm. but I mean, there's only so much you can show without making it a five hour movie. Very true. Very true. (laughs) Oh, and then. Make it a mini series. PETA is so cute in so many ways and like while we're kind of still talking about like the reaping and the train you know when we're first getting introduced to Peta, he's just like so he's just like puppy dog sad eyes when he goes up on stage and it's so cute and another like um thing that i love about how jennifer lawrence portrays katniss so you can see a lot of emotion on her face in the beginning of the film when she's talking to prim and stuff and she's like lighthearted and happy and everything but more often than not, Katniss is very kind of like straight faced, like in the zone kind of thing. Um, and I love that because like the book, I think, you know, they explain her character very well in that aspect of being like, she's not like a bubbly kind of girl or she's not like this kind of like. She like hides her emotions. Like she tries to like mask everything because she doesn't want to like appear weak or anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great way to put it. Um, and I do think I think that Jennifer Lawrence does an amazing job of that overall and specifically with the reaping. You know, obviously, she has a lot of emotion that she shows um, up until the point that she volunteers. And then when she goes on stage, she's like mostly straight face. Like you can still read it in her eyes that she's like now terrified and kind of upset because she's like, oh, shit, now I'm going to die. Um, but for the most part, she's great at being like, OK, but I'm stone faced like I'm I have to just like not show that. But then Peta's face, you can read him like a fucking magazine. He's like, oh, shit, guys, this is real. 
and it's like the girl that I like. Fuck. She was J Law, and this was so good. Was this her acting? I can't remember if this was our like really big time acting debut, but I just after rewatching it, it made me remember like why J Law was so big, like when Hunger Games was happening, just because she did so well at like doing exactly what you said, but like yeah, doing so well at just like being Katniss, like. I think this was like her big break into like mass media exposure, but like I do remember she did a like an indie film, Winter's Bone, in 2010 that she got nominated for an Oscar for. So she was like, she was like, I think she was like a well respected actress to like insider people in Hollywood, but she, yeah, I don't think any, oh, and then she did the um, X Men movie in like 2011. Um, oh, yeah. But I think this is like the big one where, especially because she wasn't like covered in blue paint. So she doesn't have yeah. to like know her. <laughs> yeah, so X Men came out in 2011, X Men First Class? Yeah, X Men First Class was 2011. Oh, okay. So a year before this came out. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So, other thing, you were talking about PETA. PETA is so different in the book because PETA is like this like super tall, like super strong, buff, like blonde haired kid. And like Josh Hutcherson is not that. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. it's like shorter than Katniss. I love that though. I love that they made him. I love that he was shorter than her. Like it kind of it was like groundbreaking that uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that a female could be interested in a male and a male could be interested in a female with a height difference. That wasn't the standard. I mean, she's definitely the more dominant one in the relationship, anyways. So like oh, it yeah. fits. Katniss is the top. Yeah. But yeah, and then also. Kind of like you're saying on um, on how PETA's different, there's like a lot more that we see in the books of PETA. And also even just like, again, starting kind of earlier off in the movie, like we get that brief scene where, you know, he obviously has like burnt the bread and he gives it to Katniss because she's like hungry or whatever. I feel like even that was so much more explained in the book, especially like something that we never really get enough of a hint of in the movies is when Katniss thinks to herself, she's like, now I owe him. Like, and that's a huge thing for Katniss is like, Peter gave me that bread when I was starving. He did something nice for me. I now owe him. Like, you wouldn't understand unless you lived in the districts. I, I do think that it's it's not described in the film, but it's like played out in the film. But I don't know. I, I think that that's something we did lose in the, the adaptation. I feel like it's kind of there because I think that's why they, especially early on in like the reaping scene, like they do the cutaways to like the flashback of him giving her the bread and like, or like those moments. Cause it is, I think even it's like kind of going without words. Like she's just thinking, crap, I have to kill this kid who did this really nice thing for me back in the day. But I definitely agree that like, it could definitely be lost in translation if you didn't like read the book. Mm-hmm. Now they're on the train and okay, Effie's something- like... Oh, wait. Okay. Never. No, go for it. What do you got? Um, something that I was thinking about that I feel like they didn't do well enough before Katniss left was like establishing just how good of a relationship Gail and Katniss had. Like, I feel like when I was watching like throughout the Hunger Games, like they kept panning back to Gail or whatever. I was like, I mean, to me, it never seemed that it was like a romantic interest, right? Like I spoke like a dozen the book or it doesn't seem like they're like that close to get to that point, I guess. So I was like, okay, like, I guess they're panning back to this guy, whatever. Like, like but like, you know, I mean, I would say I know because I already had seen the other, or read the other books and seen the other movies, but I was thinking that, like, I'm like, they did not make this relationship, like, connective enough, I feel like. Okay, so I have, I have thoughts about this. Yes, I agree on one hand. On the other hand, um, 
how how I interpreted when I was reading the book, um, Katniss and Gale together is like they're they're like best friends. They're almost kind of like family just because of the fact that they like hang out so much and help each other so much. Um, and they're you know like they like help feed each other's families and stuff in times of need. But like the way that I read it is like Katniss doesn't really think of Gale in a romantic relationship unless her mind has like just enough time to wander. And then she's kind of like, oh, well, you know, I don't really think about it, but I guess if I were to grow up and get married, like, I guess Gail would probably be that person. And so so that's something that I think is important to know about Katniss and her quote unquote love life. Like starting off is like Katniss doesn't really have an interest in any guy like that's not on her mind. She has so much more on her mind to think about before thinking about like, eh, I guess he's cute. Um and so that's like another way that like, you know, cuz the the capital tries to push this whole romance on them so much and tries to like spin that as part of her story when in reality that's like not at all part of Katniss's life until much later. Like but in the first book, in the context of the first book, there's not ever really a time where Katniss is like I genuinely have feelings for insert person here. Well, it's not, I don't think, I don't think it's not necessarily that though. Cause like I reread the books like this summer and just, you know, as like comfort food for the soul with everything <laughs> going on and um, comfort food. Let's read about people, <laughs> children dying. Yeah, it, it just it throws me back. It just brings me such joy to like think of starving children being murdered by each other. Um, but like in the book, I feel like it's almost like in the especially like the entire series is like a weird like dystopian coming of age like story. Just because like I I agree with you on like before like the events in this book, I don't think Katniss ever viewed Gale as like romantically. Because like she has like a quote about how like when um like guy or girls would like flirt with Gale at school, she would be jealous, but not for the reason you'd think. Hunting partners are hard to come by. <laughs> Um, but then when she is like kind of forced to like do these like romantic or especially like the, I think from the very first time that like Peter's like, Oh, the girl I like came with me. She's like immediately like goes to Gail and's like, I wonder what Gail's thinking. And then I think she kind of pieces together that she might have some, it's like everything that happens, especially like in the cave where like they're kissing and they're telling these stories and stuff. She like always compares it with Gail and like, well, what would I be doing if Gail were here? What if I, if Gail and I had never been reaped, like what would this be? So I think it's kind of like where she starts to realize, like she doesn't necessarily know what her feelings are for Gail, but like, there's definitely, I think like the, the, the spark is there. The spark. Nice. The spark. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, and so a question that I want to ask since we're kind of on this topic are you team Peta or team Gale? I think I know the answer, but I, I want to hear you like give it to us. <laughs> I mean, just I would say for the series as a whole, I am team Peta, but just for the confines of the first installment of the Hunger Games, I think both reading like I think throughout the movie I was definitely like team Peta, but in the book, like I think I could definitely like have wavered because I think the book does a better job of kind of making you question Peta's allegiance a little bit more because especially because Katniss is just because it's a very stressful situation. She's very paranoid. So like for a good like maybe like fifty to a hundred pages, she is ready to kill Peta. Like she is dead set that he has 
thrown her to the wolves and she he is just playing mind games with her so like knowing what i know now i definitely would just be like oh no team pita team pita team pita but like in the first book i could definitely be like okay like maybe this the gale relationship seems the more healthy of the two at the time and this is interesting because again you and i literally just watched it like an hour ago in the living room just to like have that background again um and there was this moment where we were watching it and they're not on the train yet i'm sorry katniss has like her three minutes to talk to gail and you know they have that exchange where katniss is like they might they might not have a bow and he's like well you find one or or make one or whatever the fuck he says he's like yeah you know how to hunt like do that and she's like well i don't know how to hunt people and gail says it's no different katniss and i while we were watching this movie again i said that's the first red flag on gail and you're like but the way you're saying it though like he doesn't say it like that he wasn't like well it's no different like he said it very reluctantly of i mean how different can it be like he was trying to hype up his friend who was going to almost certain death. <laughs> like, That's, would you rather yeah, be I like, agree. Katniss, lay down your bow and take a, a vow of nonviolence. <laughs> you may die, but and, you like, have, you have your like, pride. Three seconds to like tell people. Like, they have like two minutes to like, be like, I don't know what to tell you, but like, you know how to hunt. Like, you're going to kill these people. I also, okay, so I'm Team Gale. Uh, (laughs) i was team gail like through like almost to the end of like mocking jay honestly because whoa Peter is annoying (laughs) (laughs) i was just like Peter. i feel like Peter. to me i always felt like Peter felt like he was like it should be no competition that like katniss is his like i feel like he felt like entitled to like have her because they experienced the hunger games together that's how I always Ooh, felt, like, going I, through it. Really? And I was like, you don't own her. Like, you don't own Katniss. Oh. for you. I was like, so I was like, I don't know. To me, like, that's how I felt, like, he was a lot. And then I feel like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I didn't like him as much as Gail. And I like Gail as a character better. I was like, Gail is, like, badass. Peter can't do shit for himself. The only reason he's alive is because of Katniss. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like Gail was like, I'm like... The girl was there for her for like 18 years or whatever, 16 years of her life. And then Peter was there through this really traumatic experience. I will say that. But like, <laughs> but like, Gina, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like he just like got lucky almost in a way of like. The odds were in his favor. I just don't think he was ever like, and I don't feel like he ever like cared about like Katniss in the way that I feel like he should have cared about like Katniss. I don't know. Interesting. You would definitely have, like, the more unpopular opinion. Probably. <laughs> honestly, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, until they started doing the, in the third book, when they started doing the, like, yes, this is true, no, this is not, whatever thing, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. I was, like, Team Gale pretty much throughout that whole thing until then. Damn. I okay. was, like, Team PETA from, like, Catching Fire onwards, like, the... <laughs> And Peter makes up all these lies without even consulting her, like the pregnancy and then the... Peter uh, is chaotic good. The like, the like, oh, I'm in love with her. And I'm like, oh, rude. You could at least told her, like, you were going to say that before you went out. <laughs> like, I yeah, was so justified fair. when, like, Katniss was, like, so mad at him. I was like, yes, get him. <laughs> Shove him against the wall. <laughs> like, it's definitely justified for her because she, like, thought, like, he was trying to, like, make a fool out of her. But then it's like, I feel like though, it's, I, don't, I can't remember exactly for the movie, but at least in the book, like they do a good job of like, we didn't tell you because you would ruin it because you wouldn't, like it wouldn't read as real. 
And then in the book, she like really comes around to it really quickly. And she's like, well, did I look believable? And then Portia's like, oh yeah, girl, you're good. That's a person that's missing from like almost this whole, like doesn't get any lines or anything. It's Portia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. And, and that comes back to bite them in Mockingjay. But, you know, we'll talk about that when we eventually get to talk about Mockingjay. Um, another scene that I want to mention that was definitely not in the books, that is another capital scene. Seneca and Caesar have another interview bit where um, they mention that Katniss is a volunteer from an outlying district. And he's like, that is something you can't ignore. And I feel like it's interesting because... And this is probably more interesting because all three of us have also read the prequel book. So we know more about the capital side of like the games. But yeah, I just thought it was another good little brief moment to stick in there. Like, you know, they're they're starting to twist everyone's stories. They're starting to like try and figure out which which type of person they can make every tribute to be able to like sell them kind of thing. Uh, something I do want to talk about, though, is Lenny Kravitz as Cinna so good so good so watching where she goes up a tube or whatever and knowing what happens in the second one i was like having like i don't know like i I was like looking at it like i'm like i know it's not gonna happen in this movie but like i'm like oh my god oh my god like what if it does (laughs) i don't know why in my head i was like what if it does happen what if i'm wrong like i don't know i was just hoping it didn't because i was like i just love him so much but yeah, he's excellent. Like from the moment that you get introduced to him. And um I think they really they kept his whole character very well from book to screen, but even just in like the detail of you know, he has like a very understated style to him, like an understated sort of classic style, uh and the gold eyeliner detail. They keep all of that, which just look so fucking good on Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz could wear anything and make it look good, but wow, just gold eyeliner gorgeous i really wish they had the dyed skin somehow in this how they talk about in the book how they have like how a lot of the capital people have like the dyed skin colors and stuff yeah oh my god i totally forgot about that but yeah you're right they don't have any of that in the movies i think the closest that we get is um there's like a brief moment when katniss is first getting like shaved and stuff where she sees one of the other stylists and i don't think her skin is entirely dyed but, like, she does look a little bit, like, of a different shade, like, green or something, I think. Yeah, or maybe it was, that's like, just like was what I thought I yeah. saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just on, uh, like, Lenny Kravitz and Cinna, uh, something that I do want to touch on is I think there's a good amount of, like, not white people in this series. I don't know. You know, obviously, we could have done, there could have been still more people of color in this series total, but... I think it's good to know that we have like at least a few characters who are people of color and they're important and they're not very stereotyped. Also, like even just the fact of like we get to see in the movies the fact that like racism is still an issue, is still a systemic issue in the world of Hunger Games. Like it's still there. And long story short, I do think that it's nice that this whole movie isn't just white people and that within that we get to see how there is still a racial issue, like a racial discrimination in the world of Hunger Games. I mean, I don't I don't feel like the book, to be honest. I mean, I get like like the only thing is like more of like a subtle nod to slavery. I don't I don't feel like the book or the movie necessarily touched on racism a lot. Like at least from what I'm at least from what I'm remembering, like in the book or in the what like having just watched it, I was never like Yes, they addressed racism. Like I didn't 
get I, the only thing I got from like is in the book like it's imply it's like just the roots of like slavery because like District Eleven is like the agriculture and like slavery in the United States was agriculture. But the only thing I want to say about like the race was like I remember when the movie and like the casting came out there was a big controversy for no reason because people were very upset that Lenny Kravitz was cast as Cinna and that um, the actors who played Rue and Thresh were cast because I guess it was like, it was a lot of racism going on and what people didn't seem to realize was I think the big hubbub for Rue was because in the book like she is described as being similar to Prim but people seem to miss the part where Katniss says like Rue has dark skin and dark hair but besides that, she's very similar to Prim in, like, size and stature. So people, I think, just were like, no, she's supposed to look like Prim. She's supposed to be a white, blonde, little girl. And then with Lenny Kravitz, I don't know why people were upset with, I think that would, is also just straight-up racism. Because in the book, Cinna, I think the only physical attributes he has is that he has brown hair and he has gold eyeliner. And that is it. I haven't read the books in a while, but so getting like the reference of racism going back to that but I think um, I, I, I mean reading the prequel over the summer I definitely saw I feel like there was a lot more talked about about like the race and like the before times of like what life was like before the war and they talked a little bit there about how like uh, about how like the different colored skinned people were like were not as affluent um, before the capital took over and now i think they were trying like weren't they trying to i can't remember now but i think they're trying to flip that narrative or trying to like flip that narrative in the capital even though it was still prevalent in the capital i feel like when the in the prequel like, you know what would be really interesting um it would be interesting if we get like another book another maybe even series um that discusses like a victor of color like specific okay so specifically there's a brief scene in the Hunger Games movie where Katniss is like watching TV. She's like watching old footage and Caesar and whoever the fuck his name is are commenting. They're like, and this is the moment that a tribute becomes a victor. And the victor is a, a man of color. And I would love like, what if we saw his story? That was another moment that, okay, maybe I should again, cause I'm a fucking white person and maybe I should like, calm down and be like, this is not as woke as it should be or as I thought it was. But um, but at least I do like that they showed um, a non-white victor, even if it was like a brief little moment, because then we go on to Catching Fire and like almost everyone in Catching Fire is white. And the District 11 tributes. Um, although, Kim, I do actually now that I'm thinking about it, I do remember one other thing, but it, it wasn't like overtly discussed. So I think it was like just like a subtle nod was that in the books, especially because Katniss is more of like just a like in the books like her ethnicity is like a little bit more vague because she has like black hair and she has olive skin and i remember she mentioned that like within like the class structure of like district 12 like there's the merchant class which like her mother was like had the look of like being blonde and blue eyes which like she and her sister have and then like her father and her have more of like the seam look which is like dark hair and olive skin which olive skin I'm not entirely sure. It's like, it's like I tried to Google it because I remember there was like some controversy over if Katniss was whitewashed or not. And like Olive Skin seems to be, at least from what I have saw, it seems to be kind of like vague. Like it can be darker, but it can also be like a lighter skin well, color. To me, but... Olive Skin is like, 
like Mediterranean. So I think about like Italians and like uh, or Middle Eastern sometimes. Um, well, then that gets confusing. Is it like Ariana Grande pre pop star or Ariana Grande now? You know, Ariana Grande <laughs> now would be called Olive Skin, even though. Right. But anyways, back on Hunger Games. Yeah. Something else that I want to talk about that's another um, created scene for the film. And it's one of my favorite parts in this whole movie is when the Hunger Games have already started. Katniss is in it and Haymitch, we get this brief moment back at the Capitol where Haymitch is like looking on at a family where the kid is opening like a fake sword as a gift and he's like running around with it and like chasing his sister and like I think he even fake stabs someone and it's just like, you know, it's a kid and he's just messing with the toy and everything. But Haymitch is watching this and you can very clearly like read in your mind everything that he's thinking because he was obviously again a tribute and he... I'm sorry, he was a victor. And so he has all that past trauma and all of that association with like, you know, a sword is not a toy. And like, it's kind of messed up that a capital kid would be able to just like run around with a toy and play with it when in reality, people in the districts are being forced to kill people. Like, I thought that was really cool. And kind of tying this into like the real world for a second. I personally am noticing more and more how much we do that kind of stuff as a culture like we put toy weapons in the hands of our children specifically obviously like men because one of the last times I went to like a target in person I walked down the toy aisles and like one of the entire aisles was just like nerf guns and don't get me wrong dude I I love playing with nerf guns and shit but we overemphasize that kind of stuff in our culture and you know especially in kids and that's dangerous yeah I feel like though there is like a little bit of a difference though because like oh, well, I yeah. think what made this no no but like the thing that it wasn't necessarily that they got him a sword that like I was like oh but it was more of like how he like then goes to like pretend to like stab his like sister or whatever so I think that's more of it of like like in the real world I think it's one thing if you like get your kid a Nerf gun they're just like oh like just boo 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 but it's another thing if they were like oh let's pretend we're in the Iraq War. Ah. <laughs> Right. And like, that's the thing is, you know, not every kid is turning around with their nerf gun and shooting people and being like, I'm going to actually kill you. Like, you know, it's it's not that the nerf gun is the problem kind of thing, but it is definitely that scene in the film is something I thought was really important to show. And it does kind of ring true in the greater real real life culture a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's like today, like there's a lot of countries that are like war torn right now. And then in America, we have like video games where people are doing like war for fun. I think um, two big things for me about the um, about like the difference between the book and the movie is the one is one is like just the operations of like the game that you don't get to see in the book because it's, the book is kind of perspective. So like how like when they're doing the dogs at the end or whatever. Um, and they just to kind of like place them there, like place a tree and it just like pops up and it like falls over or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, or um, like how uh, Hamish um, actually like goes to the sponsors and like advocates for like them to help Katniss or Peta or whatever. Um, I feel like they don't really explain that fully in the book. Um, it's some of it's like inferred, but uh, just showing like how it does. I think, I don't know, to me that like mystified like me a little bit. I remember the first time I watched it, like, oh my God, cool. Like, get to actually see like how they do this and like how it operates so going off of what you're talking about though again um there's this specific 
like three scenes that happen right in a row in the movie that I want to talk about that again are the capital side of things the you know the actual like game making side of things that we get to see uh, that I feel like are extremely important and in the books like Katniss kind of knows all this you know like she'll be getting hit with a fireball and she'll be like oh I guess the game makers are trying to get me to go that way like she's aware of it but obviously for the sake of the film it's nice that we get these little interjections to understand because we don't have the same knowledge that Katniss does um, but so this the string of scenes in particular like when Rue dies so Rue's death happens and then the scene right after that they show District 11 watching Rue's death and getting very clearly and understandably upset and kind of like, you know, saying fuck the peacekeepers. Like, And immediately after that, we see Hamish pleading with Seneca Crane to basically just not kill Katniss on the spot. Because since we saw like District 11's reaction and we see that District 11 is starting to rebel against the Capitol because of this... Um, you know, it, it would make sense that the game makers would be like, all right, Katniss did this, kill Katniss, move on. But Hamish goes to Seneca and pleads for her life, basically, is like, here's how you can spin it, you know, make them root for young love, like, don't just kill her. Uh, and Seneca's like, yeah, whatever, fine. And then immediately after that scene, we also get Seneca is kind of explaining to Snow how he's going to spin this. He's like, oh, I figured it out, president, here's what I'm going to do. And Snow is basically like, don't fuck this up and of course he does (laughs) but that just string of scenes we don't see that any of those moments in the book we do joey you were mentioning the the bread that we get from district 11 yeah i mean it's like in the book there is like kind of like a subtle way of like showing that like rue's death and like their alliance has like created some like stir in like the penem pond because katniss like for the very first time gets like a district uh, a gift in the hunger games from a district that's not her own when district 11 um sends her bread that was originally i think going to go to rue and so i i think it makes sense like i understand why they put in like the scene where like district 11 like freaks out because it's more of like because in the book it's more of like a subtle way and i don't think necessarily especially in a movie that's like a young adults like kind of adventure film subtlety sometimes you can't have a ton of subtle moments because then it's just like people like what's going on so um so i get it but i i remember i did tell kim like while we were watching it i was just like there's absolutely i know like they have this scene of Hamish like telling like seneca like don't kill katniss like young love but i just can't imagine president snow being like sure like no i feel like how he's been described he would be like no i'm gonna ask you to like set her on fire no more fire cannon just set her on fire (laughs) blow her up yeah i think my kind of like uh argument against that like i get if it was snow if snow was the game maker he would have killed katniss immediately but i think the chain of events that happens you know we see uh the start of an uprising in district 11 and then we see Hamish going to seneca and then seneca talking to snow i feel like that is the only way that it would all make sense on the capital side. Because you're totally right. Like, if Snow was the game maker, if it was Snow's decision immediately, he would have killed Katniss off. But because he gets that softening, he gets it, like, softened to him by Seneca. And Seneca gets it softened to him by Haymitch. Because you have that, like, chain of command and everything. That, I think, is the only reason why it's like, all right, well, don't kill her on the spot, but make it go away. 
I also think Seneca's trying to, because at least in the prequels, they talk about how like the game makers like are trying to make like their like trying to move up in the world. And I feel like Seneca, like I feel like Hamish spins it in a way that Seneca sees like, oh, I could use this to move myself to be like to move myself up like upon her because she's really popular. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, definitely. I feel like it's in a good way to so Seneca knows like, oh, I guess I could use her if she won. To like build off of her, almost how am I allowed to talk about prequel stuff? <laughs> almost how I was thinking, almost how like a little bit. Snow, uh, Snow um, uses Lucy, right? That's her name. Yeah, like uses Lucy to prop himself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, I can't wait until what like they'll make a movie or a TV show or whatever on the prequel. I can't wait until they do that because a I'm so excited to see it, and b that means just another excuse for all of us to come together and talk about it because we've all read it something that i want to ask both of you guys uh which i feel like we'll probably all know the answer to but what district would you be in geographically speaking and i guess this is more of a question for tyler because joey you and i live in los angeles according to the hunger games map we would be basically the capital or district like one yeah i know um, (laughs) michigan is district seven i think right lumber let me look up the map well, I would move to wherever I would move to the Appalachian Mountains because I am the main <laughs> character, so I should be a district. <laughs> you would be Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> oh wait, maybe not. Just kidding. We are what is yellow? Eight district eight. What's district eight? Uh, that's not Finnick. No, Finnick is four. No, that's four. What is district? Oh, district. Wait, there's like five different maps. So I don't know which one's right. <laughs> oh yikes! Let's say district seven, just because I know joanna off the top of my head so no district seven is definitely not it's either district six so transportation or it's district eight which is what's district eight textiles i I would think transportation right because we're the motor city like we have all the factories and stuff already here yeah Mm -hmm. so probably transportation because we're the rust belt so cool i don't know i just wanted to know (laughs) because also i feel like um you know a lot of times when we think of like these kind of films that are slightly futuristic dystopian stuff um it's really nice to be able to like break down in our minds like okay what states that we know would actually be like this district or would be like this place i always think it's fun to like figure that out i got a little excited when i thought it was district seven because i could have joanna (laughs) oh she's so good right never mind just kidding i don't even know who is from district eight (laughs) no one important any named people Oh, then while we're speaking about names, Joey, you have a very oh, valid yeah. point. So in the, yeah, so like in the, like obviously in the book, Katniss like barely ever bothers to learn anyone's name. But, um, but uh, in the movie though, like, because obviously when she learns some of like the career names, like she only knows their first names because they like get addressed. So like Glimmer, Marvel, Kato, et cetera, Rue. But then in the, in the movie, they never wrote in like last names for them. So even when um like Caesar Flickerman is like announcing them, he'll be like, "Does she sparkle? It's glimmer." <laughs> Kato, Rue, and then but it's only the District Twelve people where he's like, "Let me also say their last names: Katniss Seventeen, the girl on fire, Peter Malark, the boy who paints, <laughs> the boy, the boy who, who paints." paints. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You know what I realized? That's why the burnt bread is so important because he is the bread and she is the burn. Oh my god. What if it was flipped and Peta was the main character 
And then he ends up, well, oh my God, new flip. So Pete is the main character. He is bi, right? Yes. And he's Gail and Katniss. And then, but the next book is called like a stroke of like catching fire. Instead of catching fire, what would it be? Catching, I don't know. What, what can you do? With catching a cold. <laughs> catching <laughs> what a cold. Can you do? <laughs> catching yeast. Painting a canvas. Pa- painting. <laughs> the Hunger Games. Painting a canvas. Speaking of paint, though, I just have to, and PETA, I have to just say, like, it's just, I I think I liked it more when I watched it, like, originally, but now I just laugh when I watch the scene where, like, Katniss, like, goes to look for PETA, and she's, like, on the riverbed, and he has painted himself to be, like, a rock, and it's so well done by a Hollywood makeup artist, but it makes absolutely no sense of how he would have been able to paint his face to match a rock, and... It's like, I get like they wanted to show off because they did show in like the training scene earlier, like him turn his hand into like tree bark, but like he's also supposed to be like very like mortally injured and stuff, but he also doesn't have a mirror. And in the book, he's just like, he's like in mud and like moss and like, it's very much easier to just like coat yourself in like that. Like that's all he did. But in the movie, they're like, no, PETA is Picasso. Katniss (laughs) has strength with archery. PETA has strength with archery it's yeah it's kind of insane his talent talking about Peta's injury okay the biggest like one of the biggest plot points that is in the book but not in the movies throughout the whole thing is Peta's leg yes oh, it still frustrates me to this day <laughs> i mean it makes i remember when i watched it as like when they came out it made sense to me about why they didn't because it would just i feel like it would just be one really easy to just remove for whenever they would have to like make a fake leg for him but then also i think it would make it easier for like josh hutcherson to like act if he didn't have to like be thinking about well how would someone who like is learning to walk on a new like artificial limb like like that i feel like it just like was an easy way for the writers to just kind of make less of a hurdle perhaps because like in the in because it is kind of like mentioned in the books about like how like in like the next two books like where it comes into play so i think it was just them of like being like okay well we have such dense material to get through let's thin it out the best we can and this is definitely one i think where they were just like let's pull that out even on like katniss's ear is another example of that where you know like when when she blows up the cornucopias of supplies from the career pack um supposedly she like injures hearing in one of her ears because of the explosions and, I mean, it's played off well, I think, in the movie of, like, they have this all, like, ringing going on that clearly makes sense, but it doesn't carry over into the next films. Um, and then that becomes important in, like, Catching Fire, you know, when she says that she can, like, hear the force field. Like, that's her excuse of being like, oh, I can hear the force field because I guess the capital must have just fixed my ear up a little too good. I thought that was really smart, I feel like it was just removed probably because it was so much again, like that was just like her inner monologue of being like, oh no, like, like I'm a hunter. Like this is like making my senses freak out. I mean, but also on that note, I feel like no one really gets that injured in this Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I die. <laughs> Unless you die. Yes, that is, that is correct. <laughs> but I feel like, and I get like, there. I was like telling Kim, like one of my like things I think would be awesome is, is if a, like if they, in a couple of years, like now that it'll be almost 10 years since this movie came out, like the series wrapped, if they did like an animated 
um, limited series of it instead of doing a movie because then you can like expand on things that were like left out of the books. But then also when you get into like the Hunger Games, the children can actually look hungry. Right. Because these are some very well-fed starving people. And then you these and I get like you can't ask like fifteen-year-olds to starve themselves. Like we have labor laws in this country, but. It's like in the book, like it's like you do see like Fox face, like when she dies, like she was Katniss said, like she probably only had like a day left in her because of how like emaciated she was. And then like, yeah, and Rue in the book is like completely cut open. Like, yeah, you can see everything. Mm -hmm. And like Katniss like acquires like more injuries and like Pete has more injuries. Like the the um, after the tracker jacker attack like she makes a note of like yeah the careers seem weaker now that they had it versus it always just seems like a video game where like they take a couple hits and then they're just back to square one like immediately after true very true um also you mentioned Foxface for a second and i want to ask because again it's been a minute since i read the books but so the moment where Foxface uh eats the nightlock berries and dies i am pretty sure i feel like it was always sort of unspoken but clear that she had done that purposefully that she had known that the berries were poisonous and she had killed herself like on purpose no i agree i totally agree i think because i mean even like in the movie they make it a point of her like knowing all the plants or whatever in that little machine thing yeah during the training like she knows all the plants so i totally think she definitely killed herself i think she knew she's like i don't have a chance against who's left and she's i like, think i'm i i i in the book i more so lean toward it towards it i definitely get like in the movie because of like that scene where she's like matching plants but it goes again back to me of just like no one looked like they were starving so i'm like it just it didn't make sense to me for that for because she looked like she could go on forever but like in the book i think it definitely is a in the realm of possibility like i would especially because of how like worn out she was and because of like the fact that Cato was like and Katniss and Peta were all still in the games and these are like three who had like very high training scores and stuff I could definitely like see like her be especially because Katniss always said like she seemed very smart and very sly so it's kind of like she just like took the games into her own hands she did the Seneca crane before he did the Seneca crane okay the Seneca (laughs) crane was kind of like forced upon him yeah. Yeah. Oh, and honestly, that is that scene is like so good in the book and the movie. And in the movie also, it being like there's no spoken word, like you but you know exactly what's happening. Like he just walks in, the guards close the doors, and he goes up and he sees the bowl of berries and you're like he's fucked. <laughs> do you think he takes the berries or do you think he uh starves out? I feel like he took I would I, if I was in the position I feel like I would have get waited a couple days but like I don't think he, he would probably have died from dehydration before then so I feel like if like I started to feel like that I might have taken the berries I feel like he definitely had to I you know I don't know I feel like if I was Seneca Crane and I knew at least to a certain extent how bad snow was anyways and then that happened I would be like I either take these berries or I will starve to death or he will come in here and like shoot me or whatever. Like this is probably the easiest way out. Plot twist. Snuck Crane comes back in Mockingjay and he faked eating the berries. 
is enough. I was like, I was thinking of that while we were watching this movie. I was like, what if that happened? Like he had like, because I remember like they show like a window in the room. Like what if he broke out and like fled to District 13? I was thinking he like pretends eats them and then like he like passes out or whatever. And then they oh, come yeah. to his body and he like, beats up the peace guard, or the peace uh, keepers. And then he gets away. What if that's what Katniss and Peter did instead of taking the berries? They just were like, trust me. Oh, wink, wink. <laughs> that's something every time i watch this movie and obviously like we know how it goes at that moment but every time i watch this movie i kind of expect like either katniss to like not take the berries last second or Peta to smack the berries out of her hand and then he takes the berries like i just i just imagine one of them switching last second there's a have you ever seen a how it should have ended or whatever. Yeah. Like the HBO yeah. stuff or whatever, where Katniss doesn't eat it. And Peter does. And she's like, I'm not stupid. I got, I got people to go back to in District 12 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I get why they did it for the sake of like the movie. But like, and it's like, it involves Foxface and like Thresh and like in the book and movie, like their placement switches. It's in the book, Thresh dies while Katniss and Peter are in the cave. And then once he's dead, like the career or the game workers are going, okay, that was fun. Back to the games. And then Foxface dies like a day later. But in the books or in the movie, um, Foxface eats the berries and then the game workers are like, okay, finale time. Then the dogs eat um, Thresh first. And it makes me sad because I liked, I liked it in the book because it kind of was more of building up Kato. Like he's fresh off of losing his district partner, Clove, and he's pissed. And um, then he, and it's pretty much like, even though Katniss can't see it, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that Kato um, killed Thresh. And it's kind of like more of building up Kato as the big bad that Katniss knows. Like, because I think she has like a good quote in the book of where she's like, when it's just the, them in the final three, and it's like, well, it's basically the start of the Hunger Games because wasn't Kato always the one to kill? And it is kind of like, they like they do have like, moments in the movie where like they do like some foreshadowing of like this is the guy to look out for like after the parade and like Kato is like menacingly staring at Katniss and then in when he kills like the district three boy by breaking his neck and stuff but I just it's like a subtle difference where I'm like I get why they changed it but I'm like and also because in the cave Katniss has like much more of a reaction to Thresh's death because Cat Thresh showed Katniss mercy and so then she's like very upset and she like hides in her sleeping bag because she just wants to cry. But she knows like the capital will not like her if they see her crying over every single district person who dies. Versus in the movie, like there's pretty much no time for a reaction because it's the finale and she needs to get to the cornucopia. I love it. But I, I also just on that note, I love that whole scene where Thresh uh, kills clove i don't love that he kills clothes obviously but I, I love that he's love it love in the murder um but i love that he s- protects katniss and like looks at her and he's like just this one time for rue and then he leaves because that tying back into kind of her her thought process in the books about like oh Peter did this nice thing for me i owe him oh somebody did this nice thing for me i owe him like that Thresh has that same understanding and she remarks on it in the book she's like Thresh understands um but yeah the the fact that there's like favors that go around I guess and it's sort of like you owe this person so you do something nice for them blah 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 yeah I just love that scene with Thresh I love that he had that moment it was a nice humanity moment in the Hunger Games 
a quote I always forget that's not in the uh, movie, but it's in the book is, uh, well, I guess it's the internal monologue of Katniss, but Katniss talks about how uh, stupid people are dangerous. She says like in the book, and that's when that one girl builds a fire at night and the careers come and kill her. But I'm like, that is such a good, like, that's such a good quote of like, stupid people are dangerous. Like people that are arrogant or like ignorant are dangerous to be around because for society. Well, also building off that, like, especially with like Fox face, because like, I think Katniss, like, even though like the internet has like their own theories about Fox face's death, um, Katniss is definitely like, just believes that Fox face was tricked into eating berries. And I remember she had like a quote that I thought was like really interesting. And she was like, you know, I've just made so much effort into not underestimate my opponents that I forgot that I also shouldn't overestimate them. She like always had been pegging Fox faces as this like elusive mastermind genius, and then for her to go out by eating poisonous berries, she was like, hmm, "Maybe I guess I shouldn't. Maybe these aren't such big bads after all." And that I mean that comes up because partially like Katniss underestimates herself. You know, we see this early on when Prim is like, "Hey, you can hunt." You know, when she's saying her goodbyes, Prim is like, "You can hunt. You could win." And Katniss is kind of thinking to herself she's like no but i mean sure i'll tell you that to make you feel better uh and even gail has that moment where he's like hey you know you could win this like get to a bow go um and a lot of times katniss is underestimating herself and um i think a large part of that is just because of like the entire system that is pan m and the capital like you know no one never in her favor Exactly. Yeah, the odds are never in her favor. So she has just learned from day one. Like, she has this thought process that, like, she's never going to get anywhere. She's never going to be able to, like, quote-unquote, level up, I guess, in life. One thing, uh, one detail I thought was really good in the book, or one thing they did in the book that they didn't do in the movie, to just show how, like, sadistic also, like, the capital people are, is, like, making the dogs the people that already died in the Hunger Games or whatever. They had, like, the eyes of the people who died in the Hunger Games or whatever. Because um, I know they're not emphasizing that in, in the movie, but in the book, like, that's, like, a... I don't know, that always just creeped me out to think that, like, you're looking at all the people that like, you killed, like, in the face, like, trying to kill you now back from the dead almost, but, like, these mutated dog things. Yeah, and that even, like... It would have been really great to have that in the movie in some respect, because also then in the beginning of Catching Fire, I don't want to get too much into it, but in the beginning of Catching Fire, you know, when she shoots, uh, I think it's a deer or something. And then to her, it turns into that guy that she shot in the games, like having that. I mean, obviously, that can come from just the trauma of the games in general, but especially the mutations at the end of the first Hunger Games. You know, those having the eyes and the likeness of the tributes that have already died just, again, is like that comparison between animals and humans and hunting and everything that is part of the great subject that totally just fucks with Katniss. Yeah, well, also, it's just like psychological, like torture, like it, like the, 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 the books and like this universe mostly focuses on like how like it pushes like it's the Hunger Games and your body is like. It's such a physically strenuous um, event where you like are always worried about dying, but like no, it like and it definitely gets built upon like in the um, future books about like post traumatic stress and stuff. But like the the wolves like having like because I remember like Katniss and Peeta like that was like their initial thing was freaking out over are those the real eyes? 
Like they just couldn't get over like if the capital had just gone and like gouged out like their trip the like their fallen tributes and done this and or do they have the memories of um the dead tributes of like do they are they specifically going after those that killed them and I'm just like it makes it so especially when we in the next uh installment where we meet more of the like the past victors and how fucked up so many of them are like totally makes sense because it's not just a physical draining thing and it's not even just like the trauma of having to kill people but it's also like the trauma of like whatever the capital is like throwing at them Mm -hmm. yeah that is something we can definitely also get into more when we have the next few episodes talking about all the different um because this is something i've talked individually about with both of you guys about how there's all these different portrayals of post-traumatic stress disorder in this series um but yeah we will talk about that more with catching fire and mockingjay uh, a question that I have for you guys is, if you were in the Hunger Games, what would be your tribute token, and what would be your weapon of choice? My weapon of choice would be my brain, like Fox Face. <laughs> <laughs> because I am not strong enough to fight people in person. I would have to, like, set traps or something. Like, that would be my weapon. I don't know how, but, like, how Katniss sets, like, or how that one guy in Marvel, he sets a trap for Rue. Like, I would have to do things like that, because... There's no way physically I'm going to like kill someone with a knife, or there's no way I can aim with a freaking bow and arrow. Like I, I don't have any of those attributes, so it has to be like with my mind. Kind of like how Hamish wins, uh, his. I won't go into how he wins because that's really a lot of cutting fire stuff. But like how he wins, like he wins with his mind more than he wins with like his physical attributes. So, and then what was the other thing? Oh, token. I would probably take um. I think I would take, uh, my grandma has like, or I have this uh, teddy bear that has like a picture of me and my grandma on it. And then but around it has like a ribbon. I'd probably like wrap that around my wrist or something. Just remind myself like I have to get out of this. I love that. <laughs> Babs, you got any ideas? Um, I feel like for a token, it'd either be like, it's like spoiler for Catching Fire, but like there's like a locket of like photos of like Katniss's family. So I feel like I'd get something of like where it'd either be like pictures of like people I care about just to feel like they're with me. Either that or it'd be like Katniss with like a Mockingjay pin, but it'd be like a fat cat. <laughs> and that would be my symbol of the, of the uh, rebellion. But then I definitely, I would also go with the Katniss route of like, I think a bow and arrow would probably be either that or like throwing knives. I'd want a weapon that I wouldn't have to like get close to someone with like i would rather be i would i like the idea of like being able to hunt at a distance i completely agree actually throwing knives would be my weapon of choice they also just look so cool anytime i see someone using throwing knives i'm like damn you look badass like a fucking ninja so i would probably choose throwing knives and then uh i was thinking about it i feel like my tribute token would be a closing pin which is like uh, in skydiving, there's a little piece of equipment, very small, called a closing pin that, long story short, is, like, the only thing between you and your parachute being open. So it's, like, when you when you pull your parachute, that's the little thing that pops out and lets everything loose. But it's just this little cool, it looks like the number nine. It's a very small, like, metal piece. And it just has, like, kind of a lot of significance. So I probably would choose that. Yeah. I feel like my only chance of winning would be, like, befriending people either doing fox face or befriending people and then when they go to sleep just killing them like like when they sleep <laughs> so you'd be like a night hunter 
He'd be like that yeah, guy. Yeah, so like instead of being like, like I would be like when they were all sitting by the tree, if I was PETA, I would be like slitting all their throats while they're sleeping oh in the tree because like how <laughs> else am I gonna live? Like I'm not. There's no way if they're alive, like that I'm gonna be able to fight them. <laughs> so. Well, that's the other thing about like the psychological stuff. Like when you talk about like slitting people's throats, is like I remember like Katniss Kyanem talks about this about like in this book. Um, it's more so like the only two people she works with are Rue and Peta, and both of the time she's like, "Well, I don't want to have to like ever have to kill them," so I'm hoping someone else does it before me. But I'm like, I can't imagine like if I was a career or something. Like, how do you play this? Of like where, like of like how long do you last with an alliance? And it's much more prevalent in the next installment, so I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But like that, I like when I read it the first time, like I remember I couldn't help but like think like if I was in the games, like how could you trust anyone? Yeah, true. Well, and you even see that, like, um, when Katniss first sees Peta in the games, like, outside of just the, the beginning, uh, she's, like, up in a tree, she's, like, tied herself to the tree, and she's, like, all right, time to go to sleep. But then she sees Peta with the career pack, and he's, like, yeah, she went this way. And you very clearly read it on her face that, like, it, it to me, she never really trusted Peta anyways, like, fully, maybe a little bit. Like, she thought she knew things about Peta. But then at that moment, when she sees that he is helping the career pack hunt her, you can very clearly see, like, on her eyes, she's just like, well, guess I really didn't know anything about that kid. Guess he's the worst, and I guess I'm going to have to kill him. Yeah. Well, in the book, it's definitely, like, a roller coaster, because, like, I remember, like, at first, like, in the movie, like, she's kind of, like, cold to him at the very beginning, versus I think in the book, like, at the train, like, they, like, kind of do talk, especially with, like, about Hamish and stuff. And then... Then I remember he's like, Peta doesn't have a family in the movie, pretty much. Like they never show him, but like Katniss gets visited by her fa- his father, and then she gets cookies. Then she like has this thought process of like because Peta goes to like wash up Hamish in the shower because he throws up and passes out on himself in the book. Um, and then she realizes like, hmm, like maybe Peta's playing the game. Like he she want he wants to be the favorite, and so then like he has like a bruise because Hamish hit him. So she kisses his like bruise to make sure like it hurts and then like when they train together she like opens back up to him then she flips again when he decides to like be trained by himself and say he loves her it's like it's like a very it's a roller coaster true also something i totally just remembered that was in the book and not in the movies at all um are like the the post hunger games interviews that they have with the family because like what were those uh, you know because Peta and Katniss win the games and then they interview their family and their family has to like talk them up. And I think also that was when we oh, wait, first no, that wasn't the post that was the final eight. Was it? I thought yeah, it was yeah. like when it's they like at the final eight. Oh the, yeah. they do a post game interview of the two of them. Yeah, but at the final eight they're cousin. Home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gail. You're saying that's yes. That's uh yeah. also when Gail becomes starting to be played as like, oh, that's Katniss's cousin because he's so like good looking dreamy yeah. people are like well they'll never believe that yeah <laughs> that's why they're so close because they're cousins <laughs> gross <laughs> what else are i can't even think of another like huge huge difference i feel like we touched on most of it is there anything else that you guys want to talk about i have a couple of things shoot i'm like just like the three big ones is just like the avoxes like they had no avoxes in the book or in the movies until like the last installment they kind of talk about them they have an avox in this movie i mean they have like but they're not a part of the story at all yeah i don't think they have an aside mention at all of like oh this is 
This no, is yeah. what this like, person is. I don't think is. we learn what, what an A-box is until Mockingjay like, in the books. The other one is like that the career, the in district, in the books, District 4 is a career district. But then in the movies, it's just District 1 and 2, which isn't a huge deal. I think they just did it because it would be too complicated or like give too much away of um, mm-hmm. Finnick and deciding not to be with the career pack. So it was just easier to just like not write them in as a district or career district at all. I could see that. Um, and then the last one is just like the length of the Hunger Games because like in the movie, I feel like the Hunger Games are just like a week versus like in the uh, um, book, it's like, I think it's like 28 days or something. Like it's a very long time and like Katniss and like Peter, they spend like days in the, in the, uh, the cave, which were like my favorite things, but obviously, you know, they have to go through a lot of stuff. So they uh, cut a lot of it. But yeah, those are like my three big uh, things I was just like throwing there. Nice. Also, um, I'm totally remembering like the when Kato falls and is getting eaten alive by the mutations. And, you know, obviously that's Katniss and Peter's symbol to be like, ah, oh, cool. He's dying and now we won. In the books, doesn't that take like that's like a whole day or something where he's still yeah, being yeah. eaten alive? Because they only take like little tiny numbs or whatever. I was I was telling my little sister because this is her first time she ever watched Hunger Games. She watched <laughs> it together. Oh damn! And I was like, yeah, in the books that takes like literally till the sun rises. Like well, I think it's die. also he has like body armor in the book too, so like they can only eat his like hands and like face. Ouch! Not a fun way to go. No, <laughs> I'd rather have that than the tracker jackers. Oh, well, well, I guess the tracker jackers are fast, but insects just creep me out. Also, <laughs> speaking of the tracker jackers, I because we were talking about like our tribute tokens. It's always I I just realized like it's kind of ironic the way Glimmer dies in the book because like she tried to sneak in a ring as a tribute token, and then they found out like if you twisted it, it'd be like a poison like point. Oh, was that her? I thought that was in the yeah, prequel. That was her. I thought no, that, that happened was... in like a prior Hunger Games, and that's why no, they it... couldn't bring certain things. That's why Katniss was having trouble with her pin. No, Cinna, um, he tells her like when they're in the um, tribute tunnel, and she, he like surprises her with the pin, and he was like, "Yeah, I had to convince them because they thought it could be used as a weapon." And he was like, "That girl from District One, um, her ring could was a poisonous like spike." But they couldn't prove that she knew about it, so she's still here. Glimmer, you oh, shady Glimmer. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Glimmer reminds me of like the classic mean girl, like from <laughs> high school. Like she's Virginia George. Like, oh, like yeah. her whole essence was that. <laughs> and instead of a bus, she gets a beehive <laughs> dropped on her head. Did you notice <laughs> as you guys were watching? I noticed, or as we were all watching today, I noticed that. Uh, when the tracker jacker scene happens, when they're all sleeping, Glimmer is little spoon for Kato's big spoon. <laughs> they're like yeah. snuggling. She knows how to play the game. I mean, honestly, you're like young. They're like 18. Like if you're about to die, you might as well try. They're, oh my God. If Hunger Games was in real life, you know there would be so much more. <laughs> well, hopefully not because like they're under 18, right? So I mean, some of them are. Well, aging. if you could have sex with your, I mean, Katniss and Peter were basically try humping each other. Like, obviously, yeah, Capo gave zero shits. I don't think there was an age of consent in Panem. Oh God! <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? I feel like we touched on a lot of the good um, 
similarities and differences between the books versus the movie book versus the movie um i would just say anyone who's watching this you know like the book or the movie is great and like definitely a but for anyone who's just watched the movie but has never read the book go read the book oh yeah i think uh something that like yeah especially if you're going through the books and like the movie's first time it's just like susan collins is just like a mass is so masterful at showcasing how like a message can like shape like a country's like thought process and like world like I feel like a lot better than most other series I've ever really seen. It's like, like showing how like a message, it's not just a person, like Katniss isn't just a person. She is a, almost like above a person. Like once you get into the other books, you know, like she is a symbol that's like so important. I feel like they do a really good job at like just understanding like symbolism matters. Yeah, and- Your English class matters, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And on that, topic like you know we didn't really discuss too much of it but there's a lot in the hunger games that can apply to our world now and that is you know in a lot of ways that's the point of being like look let's bring this story to a paper format and then to a visual format like suzanne collins fun fact suzanne collins came up with this story um originally when she was flipping channels between like a reality show and historical like war footage and i think something else i don't know but she was flipping through the iraq war yeah through footage of the iraq war she was flipping through these channels and that's what started to give her the idea of basically like children forced to kill other children um because it's very unfortunately lifelike do you have a i mean i'm sure you know kim how like obsessed i am with survivor i've watched every single season and every single thing but this last season, at the end of the season, um, they were like, oh, we're taking, like, more people or whatever, but we're allowing people who are 16 now onto the show. And, like, there was a lot of Whoa. outrage from, like, past castaways oh. because of, like, how much of a toll Survivor takes on, like, their body. And, like, also, they're, like, like there was a couple of people that talked about, like, because they were young, they were only, like, 19 or 20 when they went on Survivor. And they talked about how, like, social media, like, was such a huge thing, like, that, like, bombarded them, and they couldn't imagine being, like, 16 and having to deal with, like, however many people watch Survivor, tweeting at them, like, telling them they're good or bad people or all that stuff. I'm just like, Ugh. But on that, though, just, like, it's completely on topic, but um, for the Survivor, these, like, at the end, like, Jeff probes, like, if you're 16 or whatever, like, apply to the show, but, like, they, and, like, I was also one of those people, like, they should not have 16-year-olds on it, mostly because I wanted to be on when I was 16. But um, it wasn't, they didn't have any intention of actually putting 16-year-olds on the island because I don't think they can legally do that because it's, like, physically as tolling as it is. Like, I don't think they would be allowed to. But what they were doing is, like, I think Jeff Probst, because he's, like, also an executive producer. He's the host of the show. One of his things he wants to do future in the future is do a teen, is like a teen versus adult season. So I think it would be like 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. So I think the reason why he's asking them, and also it was like because to put more context in it, this is like right when like the COVID lockdowns, like it was May. So we were like two months into lockdown. No one knows how long this is going to last. So I think it was also like them their way of being like, well, by the time we're able to start shooting again, you 16-year-olds who applied will probably be 18 by now. Interesting. Well, that's but yeah, they didn't have any actual intention of putting 16-year-olds on an island to start. They did have like a. It wasn't a. 
Survivor, but they did have like a kids Survivor, but it was like a little bit different. Like not like based off the Survivor brand. It was called something else, but they were like teams. They were teams of two instead of like everyone was on their own. And it was like 14 to like 17 year olds, but they like got like food and stuff. Oh, oh, I, oh, I know what you're talking. It's like, it was called like endurance and like yeah, the elimination like was that. to play rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. So it was like a kind of like Survivor, but it was like not where you only got rice and beans for 35 to 40 days. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you guys a question. Cause I've never seen Survivor and I know both of you love the show. Um, were there ever two winners on a Survivor season? No. No. Ugh. Brutal. The only thing that's that it's been close to that is like there was a final three where like the jury votes for the winner and two of the finalists got the same number of votes, but then they just had the third place person vote. But yeah, there will never there will never be two winners. They have to have their victor. They have to have their victor. <laughs> Sandra is queen forever. Everyone knows I watch the Survivor. Already, if you're listening, you are the... Poverty is about that. The (laughs) last thing I want to say about, like, on this podcast is if you read the book and you liked the violence of the book and you were disappointed by the violence in the movie, (laughs) you were just someone who likes on-screen violence, go watch the movie um, Battle Royale. Oh, yeah, right, because that was kind of a similar concept. Yeah, it was teens locked on an island, forced to kill each other. Good stuff. Oh, wow. Love that genre. So uh, I want to say thank you guys for finally having this discussion with me again. I mean, I've been talking to both of you guys individually for a while now about like, oh my gosh, like Tyler, Joey loves Hunger Games so much too. Like this is going to be great and vice versa. So I'm glad we finally got to dig into it. And I'm excited for when we get to talk about Catching Fire. But thank you for doing this podcast with me. It's been a good time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> and we will see you again soon. And that's a wrap. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd appreciate if you'd follow the show on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you're listening from. You can also find exclusive episode release schedules and more on our Instagram, Flip the Script with Kim. Thank you for your time, and we hope you'll tune in for next week's episode. Peace out.